loves you as an individual so much and he wants to work in your life. So if you're feeling that touch of the Holy Spirit, then just in faith keep receiving. And if you're not, and you're in a difficult place this evening, pray now that God would be ministering to you in the particular way that you need this evening. Okay, now, it is Nehemiah, but this time it is the last one. Uh, and finally, news at 10. Do they still do that? I don't very often watch the news at 10. And finally, um, because we are at the end of the project in a way, uh, certainly what God asked me to speak about was the building of the wall, and we got to the end of that last time. Uh, you might have heard this story. Poor old Jim had fallen on hard times. He'd lost his job at the fertilizer plant. His wife had left him. His unemployment had run out. Um, He was evicted from his apartment. He packed what little he had in a rucksack, made a little sign that said, we'll work for food, and set off down the road on foot. Towards the middle of the day, he came to a farmhouse. Getting very hungry, knocked on the front door. The woman answered. Jim explained his situation and how he would do anything and how hungry he was. Now, at the first, she she really was a bit suspicious, but then, as he persisted, she said, all right, can you paint? Oh, yes, Jim said, I can paint. Done a lot of painting. Just let me show you. So the woman relented and said, all right, go round the back and paint the porch, and I'll fix your dinner. Happily, Jim went back to work. About 40 minutes later, Jim appeared at the front door. You finished so soon, asked the woman, Yes, yes, I've done it completely, said Jim, but I think you ought to know that it's not a Porsche, it's a Volvo. (laughs) The job was finished. (laughs) Are you saying you need to go for prayer or I need to go for prayer? (laughs) Such an awful story. Right, Nehemiah. And, well, how was it for you, chapters 1 to 6? I'm going to ask you in a minute if there are particular things that people have learnt in our journey through Nehemiah. Um, But just as a recap to remind you, Nehemiah chapter 1, where the problem is presented and he prays. He is away from his home of Jerusalem. He is away from his people. He is in exile in Babylon but now he, needs, he, he knows he needs to go back and he prays. And then he's given an opportunity as cupbearer to the king to ask for the king's help. He takes the opportunity, back he goes, he walks the walls. And you perhaps remember those words, do you not see the trouble we are in? And then the work begins and teams are established. They get to work, uh, then <laughs> ranting and rubble. Um, uh, the, the opposition starts from outside. Peoples whose lives are going to be changed if God's kingdom is built in this area. Uh, and they also discover problems. Too much rubble on the wall, and the rubble has to be moved. And we made various connections with that. Then, as they are really doing well, Satan gets in through another avenue. And there are internal rumblings. People having a go uh, from the inside. Uh, and, uh, and that 
looks like it might disturb the work, but Nehemiah has having none of it, sorts it out. And then in Nehemiah 6, the opposition from outside comes again. And you remember what he says. He says, I will not come down. Why should I come down off this wall? Why should the work continue because of you? I am doing a great project. You remember they were asking to meet him in the plains of, oh no. (laughs) Uh, And then the wall is completed. So, what have you learned? Uh, are there, I mean, it's sort of difficult to ask, really, because I, to suddenly think. But are there particular things that anyone would like to share with us now uh, that you have gained from Nehemiah? Speak quickly, otherwise I just start again. Um, yes, the rubble. I've thought a lot about the rubble. Um, the sort of the, the rubbish in, 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 well, in my life anyway, the, all the distractions and the stuff that needs to clear out to make room for God. Mm. I, I've thought quite a lot about that rubble. Rubble, okay. You couldn't progress because you couldn't get past it. Okay, so we'll call you Barney. <laughs> He's persistent. Yes. <laughs> um, and if there are any problems, he prays first. Yes. And he doesn't allow anything to turn him away from what he feels God wants him to do. Yes, real challenge, isn't it? He's not going to get distracted. (laughs) Knows what he's got to do. To me, it spoke about um, how we should work together, the pitfalls, Mm. how we get through that, and uh, actually that we need to rely on God Mm. when doing a project like that. Mm. If we turn it into a community project. Mm. Everybody has their individual job to do, and it wouldn't be complete unless everybody did their little bit. Yes, needs the whole team, the whole team. I just felt that confidence in God, once he's given you something to do, you need confidence in it despite everybody pointing out all the pitfalls and all the things that could go wrong. (laughs) Absolutely. I particularly thought that uh, we need to work together on something and when opposition comes from outside you normally would expect that but when opposition comes from inside it's really difficult to get over so we need God, we need each other and we need teamwork in in that way Mm. Okay, thank you Well, that's great. It's always an encouragement to know people are listening. <laughs> uh, but uh, I certainly have found, found these studies very, very helpful indeed. And, and I, think, I think this business of keeping the, vi- the vision clear, um, keeping the vision clear and sticking with what you know God has got for you in prayer um, and, and not being distracted... Uh, and he seems to be able to do that in a way, just sort of getting on with the job without making a great fuss. Uh, very, very encouraging, uh, but also pretty challenging. What I'm going to do tonight is just give some glimpses into the rest of Nehemiah, um, because the task hasn't finished. <laughs> the, the wall is built, um, but the job isn't done. The job, of course, is never done. The job is never done. And so I thought it would be useful just to dot around a little bit and, and to uh, 
to have a look at what else there is in Nehemiah. I didn't want to spend any more time than that and go through it chapter by chapter. You get some quite long lists and all sorts of things. Um, uh, and anyway, because I think we need to be looking at some other things at six. But Nehemiah then. As we read it, you know, and as those of you who are doing Bible in a year, you, 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 you know, you can often think, well, why is this in the Bible? <laughs> uh, and we don't always know that because different things in the Bible are for different times of our life and of our church's life. And it's just amazing how things that you can write off as, oh, well, yes, I know it's the word of God, but <laughs> can then suddenly come to the surface at, an, at, a, at a particular period in your life. So don't give up on it. Keep, keep on reading. Um, and Nehemiah, the reason I believe we're given Nehemiah is that it is about building the church. The church, of course, is people. And, uh, and as those bricks are put into place, uh, the, the way in which it is all done shows us good leadership and how to build teams and how to work at a project that is given to you by God. So it's about building the church, but it isn't just that. It's also about building the kingdom. And people might say, well, what do you mean? Isn't it the same thing? And I don't think it is the same thing, although it probably ought to be the same thing. To me, building the kingdom isn't just about sort of getting more people into church and more even it's not just about saving more souls. What it is is about building God's kingdom as it is in heaven on earth. And that's a much wider project than just keeping the church up and running. A much, much wider project. And the exciting thing about this church at the moment is there are, in fact, there's so much going on out there, I don't know half of it, (laughs) that there are people engaged in building God's kingdom in areas that are quite difficult to touch. For the church, you know, uh, in, in its building to get involved in, it's quite difficult. Uh, as, as we think about the work that goes on in, through people's jobs, through um, Gillian the prison, Marilyn at the hospital, others here in, engaged in building the kingdom in all sorts of different ways. Uh, And what that is, is actually getting beyond the walls. Because remember, Nehemiah's walls had gates. (laughs) And okay, they needed to retreat behind those walls sometimes, but they also needed to go out, out, out. And building the kingdom is about building a church in a community with open doors where we are, yes, great if people come, but they're not all going to come. We've got to go. Um, Incarnational living. I mean, the church is, is often... When I was at the- Theological College, it was sort of given as a model that you could be an incarnational church. If you can't read that, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Um, uh, uh, incarnational living says that I go as a, as, a, as a person of God, and wherever I go, God goes. And there's a truth in that. There is a real truth in that. It tended to be in the Anglican Church that this was more the Anglo-Catholic view. And it was very often that it was the priest. You know, as long as you put your dog collar on <laughs> and wandered around, so, so, so Jesus was there. And, and people at my end of the, the, the church have sort of poo-pooed that a little bit and said, no, that's not how it works. We've got to save souls. But there is real truth in it. 
Because at the other, you see, if you go to the other end of the spectrum and have, have a very gathered church, it can be a bit like that. So, so that, yes, we say, come on board, a bit like Noah's Ark, come on board, find salvation, and we'll keep the rest of the world at bay. Now, at that extreme, just to say, oh, well, I can wander around, it doesn't matter what I say or do, because God's in me, I just take God with me, well, that's no good. But equally, it's no good to say, well, they've got their chance. You know, they can come in and hear the word of God. And if they choose not to come in, then that's their fault. Well, I don't see Jesus doing that. (laughs) Do you see Jesus doing that? I see Jesus going, you know, to to the difficult areas and to the difficult people and, and, and to being out there, being out there. And so we actually, as always, need a bit of both. Because there are some times when we need to retreat behind the walls just to gather strength and to gather energy and to gather faith and to, to feed from the word and to feed in worship and to feed from others. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we were here this morning. But what about tomorrow? You know, did, did you feel a touch of the Holy Spirit on you as you were worshiping? Yeah, well, take that out and feel that touch of the Holy Spirit as you are serving God in whatever capacity, making a difference in the world. You see, building the kingdom is this sort of middle way, but it's the most powerful way, because it says, yeah, both. (laughs) We need the strength of together, but we need to be out. Boundaries have to be there, actually. There do have to be boundaries. There do have to be walls. Nehemiah has reminded me that. Otherwise... (laughs) There's no difference between those who are within church and those who are outside church. There do need to be boundaries in the way that we live. But what we need to do, I believe, is to be out there looking, finding the spark of God that is already in people's lives. Now, share a new story. Caroline was out clubbing last night. That's why she wasn't in church this morning. (laughs) (laughs) okay shall I give you the full story she was out being a town pastor last night (laughs) I know big trouble (laughs) and and uh, you met two two girls was it yeah I did, did you both, because Matt was out as well, you were out clubbing as well, <laughs> with my wife. <laughs> All night. <laughs> I don't know, this church. <laughs> and, and met two girls, and one of them said, can, can you remind me? Yeah. fish on the uniform, yeah. Right, and so these are two, two young girls, you know, just out in the nightclubs, and yet there is a spark of God. <laughs> I really love God. I would like to become a Christian. Uh, I think one of them said, I'd love to be a Christian. <laughs> now, Those two girls are not going to wander in, 
even to Mark 2. They're not going to wander into 6 o'clock. They probably they might wander into Elevate at LCC if somebody invites them. But the chances are they are not going to come into church. But there is a hunger and a thirst there. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're so defeatist sometimes, and we say, oh, nobody wants to come to church anymore. Well, maybe they don't want to come to the church that we've invented and created. Or, more likely, because, you know, I think church is okay, and I think we're doing a good job I do. You know, let's be confident in what we're doing. We're doing a good job at being churchy. We can improve, but people's perception out there of what we do in here is totally different. You know, I know that. You get to the end of a wedding or something, and people look at you in astonishment and say, I've really enjoyed that service. And I say, I'm dreadfully sorry. I'll make it more boring next time. <laughs> Didn't want to wreck your expectations. That's our task. So yes, the wall is there because the church has to live differently and we as Christian people need to live differently. But there are gates and we need to be getting out, taking the kingdom of God wherever we go. And I don't mean by that that every second of every day we have to be preaching the gospel in in, in words. We can be preaching the gospel by our lives and by our prayers for people as we pass them, and by our concern. And when someone comes to us with a problem, which they often do, if they know you're a Christian, they'll come to you. And so we say, well, then I'll just pray with you. We can do that. That's not too hard. There's all sorts of things that we can do to be building the kingdom of God and rolling back the frontiers of evil and darkness out there. So, (laughs) the wall is finished, but it does not stop there. Building the kingdom. Now, that's our vision statement. You've seen it a lot at these services. It's obvious, I I hope, why I keep putting it up. God has given us that. That is what we are about. And anything that distracts us from that is not from God, it's from the evil one. And we need to keep that vision clear because (laughs) that is how we as church, in this place and at St. Luke's, are being instructed to build the kingdom in our parish, but not just in our parish. Half of our people live outside the parish. Great, because that means that we can have a hand in building the kingdom through the networks that we are part of in our workplace, wherever God calls us. Building the kingdom. All right, so what have we got here? What have we got? I'm going to take you to the last one first. There's a bit about uh, the pointers, really, for building the kingdom. Now, remember, I've said part of it, yes, we need to have the walls right and we need to be in church. So there's this bit about church discipline. I love this. No mucking around in those days being pastoral. Moreover, in these days, I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, or the language of one of uh, the other peoples, and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and called curses down upon them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. (laughs) Oh, for those good old days. (laughs) 
not, oh, that must be terribly difficult for you. Are you sure that's the right way? You know, I, I did notice that you were sacrificing a child, and I'm not quite sure that that's God's will. <laughs> okay, I'm exaggerating a bit. <laughs> I made them take an oath in God's name. Now, okay, this is funny in one sense, you know. Uh, we all know about pulling our own hair out. He was pulling other people's hair out. <laughs> I'd just love to have been there. I mean, can you imagine it? Can you imagine if I did that? I think there might be a letter to the bishop. <laughs> I'll say, well, I couldn't pull my hair out. I haven't got any. I had to go for somebody else's. <laughs> but there is, a, <laughs> there is a serious point behind it, isn't it? You know, people talk about the Sermon on the Mount. I think I've said this before, uh, uh, who haven't read it sometimes and say how marvellous the teaching is. Well, it is marvellous teaching. But if we live by the Sermon on the Mount, we will be living a life that is totally counter to the culture that is beyond our walls. And we have to do it in love, and we have to do it in a non-judgmental way. It's really, really hard. And so, therefore, there have to be boundaries in the way we live our lives. And we do need to live Bible-based lives. And the church has to keep that discipline. Yes, we're forgiving. I would be cross if I heard anybody was passing judgment upon anybody that comes to our church and they say, well, you did that and you did that. I would be very cross indeed. I probably wouldn't pull out your hair. <laughs> because, I mean, one of the great things that, that I hear about people here, and we hear it at Alpha. In fact, I've, we've heard it several times on this Alpha course. I love coming to this church. These are new, brand new people. At least one of them, uh, two of them, brand new Christians. And they say, because I thought people might judge me because of this thing that's happened in my life or that thing, but they haven't. They've made me welcome. Long may that continue. But we hold the balance, don't we? Because um, Jesus welcomes the woman at the well and then says, go and sin no more. And so the way I work that is that anybody is welcome into our doors, but if anybody wants to move through into a position of leadership, uh, they can't be deliberately leading a life that is against the Scriptures. Now, all of us are imperfect. We're all a work in progress. But we have to keep discipline, church discipline. And that just reminded me of it. But we do it with love. You know, and even I have to be a bit pastoral. <laughs> now, then we go back to chapter 7 and verse 1. This is immediately after the wall has been rebuilt. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. So what we see now, and I've called this gatekeepers and singers, what we see now, that the work, the, the, the emergency work has been done, and often when you go to a church you find there is emergency work that needs to be done. Now they are setting up the systems and I thought gatekeepers, you know, it's rather like church wardens, uh, people that need to do all of the different jobs. Interestingly, that the musicians, you know, very important appointment because they lead the worship. 
Uh, we are tremendously blessed with those that lead our worship in this church, uh, both the traditional worship and the more contemporary worship. Really, really important that that is done in a godly and spirit-filled way. All of these jobs, all of the jobs in the church need to be done by godly, spirit-filled people. And, you know, I wanted to say just a word about the whole plethora of stuff that needs doing as the church grows. Because it is true at the moment that there are some people working probably too hard. And there are many people working quite hard. And there are some people who aren't yet sort of on board with with just the stuff that needs doing. And we, we always understand that, and I never push people into things, well, mostly never push people into things in church life. But for instance, we've got the APCM coming up. Now sometimes, you know, annual church meetings, people think, well, I'll give that a miss, because, <laughs> you know, that's not important. Well, well, actually, it is important. It really is important. You know, that's where we appoint the governing body of the church, the PCC. That's where we hear about all of the things that people are involved in across the life, uh, the witnessing and ministerial life of the church. That's important. But also, it's just important to support the work that is going. You see, I believe when you get involved in a church, you get involved in the whole church. And it may not be that you're called to work in, in one particular area or that a particular worship style isn't your style and all that sort of thing. But if we are church, then we support everything that's going on in the name of the Lord. So come, April the 5th, 7.30, and at the end, you get some of that. <laughs> now, now you say, well, why is he talking about the APCM at 6 o'clock? That's all about, you know... Uh, Holy Spirit, etc., etc., because <laughs> this is as much church as everything else that goes on. Uh, there's a great danger today, I think, that people sample <laughs> the bits of church that they like and turn their back on the bits that are just a bit, they think, dull and boring. But we are together. And the more together we are and the more unity we display in the Church of Christ, the more it's possible, I believe, for God to bless us. And there might just be that opportunity that when God is looking around to say, well, is there anybody in this land, is there anywhere that is ready or fit for me to send revival? That he might look at us and other churches in our town. As part of Our stewardship campaign this year, which starts on Sunday and goes through all of Lent until Easter, (laughs) we're doing this. Give something back. There's the joke. Okay, pal, time to give something back to the community. (laughs) But we're calling it giving something back. And by that, what I mean is that God has done so much for us And for many people, church, the church community has done a lot for us. And this is going to be an opportunity for people to review what they do, not so much what they give, but what they do, and to see if there's something else that they might like to take on. Now, many people here are already giving loads back, 
and are committed to the hilt, and I understand that. But pray over it as you get your letter. And if you don't get a letter, collect one from the back. It will go out to those on the electoral roll. Okay, so people are appointed. But interestingly, there's one who's got a big job, (laughs) Hananiah. He was going to be the commander of the citadel in Jerusalem. So in a sense, taking on the mantle from Nehemiah. And what do they look for in someone to do a big job for God? They look for someone of integrity and somebody who fears God by that you know, understanding that God is a God, an awesome God. Sometimes people sort of want the great leadership roles in church. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> because, you know, with it comes a lot of difficult stuff. But it seems to me that Hananiah wasn't asking for this job. Nehemiah singled him out and found him. And if it had been that he had known Luke 16, verse 10, which he wouldn't have done because it hadn't been written at that stage, where Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. That if we are prepared to work at whatever God gives us, whether it be very small or in our eyes, and I don't actually believe there are any small jobs in the Church of Christ, our task is always to do whatever we are given with integrity and keeping God in the right place. And then he can entrust us with more. It's really important, isn't it, to find your particular niche, your place in a church. Very often we, we long after somebody else's place, or we would like to be this, or we would like to be that. And I think that's the fault sometimes of, of how, we, how we push certain jobs as somehow more spiritual than others. I've told you before, haven't I, about, you know, I, if, if, if somebody comes to the church fresh, uh, but already a Christian and wanting to do great things, I, I'm always much keener to see that they're happy, I don't know, cleaning the floors, doing the washing up, doing things that are seen as perhaps smaller things. You know, I made the tea and coffee for the, the concert last week and some people would think, oh, vicar shouldn't be doing that. Why, why shouldn't the vicar be doing that? We all need to be prepared to roll our sleeves up and get our hands dirty and be prepared to do whatever needs doing at a particular moment in time and whatever the Lord leads us in doing. 7 verse 4. Call this bit family and friends. I've told you before, haven't I, about this whole business of the church being, to begin with, often a hospital for people needing healing of one type or another. But then it should become family, a place where we make friends and where we find our place in the church. And then it should become a mighty army as we seek to go out through those gates and build the kingdom of God out there as well as in here. 
And there are always people in those different parts of the church. And sometimes we find ourselves moving between them because the movement should always be forward, but sometimes we need to retreat. And it's always, always family. And this portion in Nehemiah chapter 7 is where they suddenly realize they haven't got many people. (laughs) Uh, That's a story that we can all say in churches. There aren't many people. 7 verse 4, Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So God put it into my heart to assemble um, all the people and to register the families and basically get the accommodation sorted out. And then there's a great long list of all of that being done. Long list in the Bible. Again, Bible in a year, people, you'll know all about that. But it reminds us that people are important, as I said earlier in this study on Nehemiah. People are important. It is absolutely vital in church that we find our groups, that we find our friends. Because we can't be friends with everybody. It's impossible. We can love everybody, and we can make every effort to keep the unity of the faith. But it's always going to be the case that there are uh, are a few that are those who are closer family. And we need to seek those out, and we need to really work hard at it. And, you know, my experience, because I'm not tremendously good at making friends, I I always prefer to have a job to do, you know, Uh, And yet it's so important. But of course, if you make friends, then you make yourself vulnerable. And if you make yourself vulnerable, then you can be hurt. And then you retreat, and you're back in the hospital again. But God says, move back, move out. Work at those friendships. Work at those friendships. Because it's absolutely vital. It was vital that the families were sorted out. It's vital that churches are organized in a small group system. I'm not one for making it, sort of imposing it. Uh, I I think it's much better that that people find their groups. And sometimes that's formally in a small group, a home group, a cell group. Sometimes it's more informally in friendship groups. And great, but find friends. Find the people that God wants you to be with. But make sure always that those groups are outward-looking and not closed. And that's, that's quite a hard skill to do. Family and friends. Cherish your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for them, give time to them, but not at the exclusion of other people and all of the things that God has for you to do. Then, obvious, but you read this. I mean, I'm rushing through now, uh, But if you read Nehemiah 8, you will see this fantastic picture of Ezra. Remember Ezra the priest who had arrived back earlier. uh, And he now brings the word of the Lord. And he's lifted up on this podium. And he simply reads the scriptures. And they listen to it for hours and hours and hours. And if you are moaning about Bible in the year, (laughs) that's what he's reading. Is reading the law of Moses. <laughs> Not reading all the fun stuff in the Gospels because they didn't have them. <laughs> and that's what he is reading. And they come across the part 
where, well, no, let's just, let's just look at one or two of those verses before I get to that. It says, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. This is verse 3. And as they keep listening to it, uh, it's uh, making it clear. This is verse um, 8. And giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. And you get this sense that the people, as they hear the word of the God, the Lord, they, they realize that things are not right in their lives. And there's this tremendous repentance going on. And people desiring to do what God tells them to do. And as, as he continues to read, so they come across the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is quite significant. Um, oh, yeah, being enveloped in the word of the Lord. Uh, but the, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. I've got myself out of order here. There we are. The Feast of Tabernacles. This is very significant because Jesus went to the Feast of Tabernacles in Luke's Gospel, and we hear much more about it there. But what was happening was that they realized they'd been missing a festival that they ought to have celebrated. And this festival was a festival designed to remind them of the time that they lived in the wilderness, being led through the wilderness with Moses. And as part of the festival of tabernacle or the festival of booths, they would have to make these tents and dwell in them to remind themselves. And then the priest would take a big pitcher of water and pour it over the altar. And this is from a passage in Ezekiel. And it had moved on by the time Jesus came to this Feast of Tabernacles. And what happens is that in Ezekiel, and if you've been to Alpha, you'll have heard this, but in Ezekiel, as this water flows off the altar, Ezekiel had this tremendous picture of the water becoming a stream, and then a river, and then a sort of almost a mighty flood. And he is encouraged to step into it, uh, put his toes in, and then up to his knees, and then eventually to get out of his depth and to take his feet off of the bottom. And Jesus says, this is the living water, which is the Holy Spirit. And so all the way back here in Nehemiah, we see these people taking on a festival that Jesus would then take on and apply to this new age of the Holy Spirit. Because if we are going to take the kingdom of God into the world, then we have to be flowing in the Holy Spirit. And we have to be prepared to take our feet off of the bottom. Now, those of you who have taught children to swim, or perhaps you have learned to swim later in life yourself, you will know just how hard <laughs> it is to take your feet off the bottom, particularly if you have a fear of water. And all of us, as we move in our lives, there's a little bit of fear about holy putting ourselves in the hands of God, taking our feet off the bottom. Because if we take our feet off the bottom, we are no longer in control. 
Now, if we don't want to take our feet off the bottom, I don't, God doesn't stop blessing us and we, we paddle nicely on the edge or perhaps we get involved a bit deeper. And that's all right. But it's not the best that we could be experiencing. And it means that the work of God is limited because we need as many people as possible who are swimming in the flow of the Holy Spirit and going to the places where he leads us and doing the things in his power that he tells us to. And to begin with, you know, we're human beings, and, and you know, this, is, this is difficult stuff. But how many of you have done ice skating? Yeah, I hate ice skating. <laughs> and I spend my life, when I've done it, just sort of hanging on around the edge. <laughs> and then every now and then I'll let go and sort of wander out a little bit, <laughs> and then I'll come back. And I think God allows us to do that with the things of the Spirit. Because he knows who we are. And there's no judgment upon us. But, as I've said, if we want to experience the fullness of what God has for us, then we have to be prepared to let go of the side, to take our feet off the bottom, whatever image you want to use, to flow in the Spirit. So this they found in the Scriptures, and there's this huge love of the scriptures that grows as they listen and the desire to, to be obedient. And I had got some more stuff, um, but I'm running out of time. But I'm going to mention this one because I like this. This is after they've heard the scriptures. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy. <laughs> I think it was silver. I think you said, since I've been at this church, I've done nothing but eat. <laughs> and now you can see it's scriptural. I got told off for getting this picture by Caroline. She was, she was leaving. She came into the study, and I was, that was on Google Images, and it was just full of about 100 different images of food. And she said, you're trying to lose weight, and now you're on the internet looking at pictures of food. <laughs> but it was for this. <laughs> Because isn't there something exciting, actually, about gathering together, you know, to celebrate, and to celebrate round the table, uh, and it's not the food that's in, well, uh, for me personally, the food is quite important, but, <laughs> but, but that's not the thing. The thing is being together and sharing table fellowship, and, and, and we need to do more of it in our homes and in our church. Well, there's probably not any more time to do any more of it, but, you know, something like community lunches. What's the power of the community lunch? The power of the community lunch is that we are helping people who would otherwise be eating on their own, but we are applying biblical principles of table fellowship, and the Holy Spirit blesses it. It's not for nothing that, the, that heaven is, offered picture, is often pictured as a, as a great banquet. So there we are, it's scriptural. <laughs> All right, I may be pushing it a bit too far. <laughs> Celebration, the Word of God, gathering together, enjoying one another's company. And it's when we are together 
that the Spirit comes. Now, I know you can have intense spiritual experiences on your own because God isn't limited. But I also know that it's when together we determine to wait on the Holy Spirit that he really comes. And I've seen it actually all this weekend across Alpha Saturday yesterday and and in the worship today and in our prayers as we wait on the Holy Spirit. Inside the wall, you see. (laughs) Gathering that strength. And there's something about us agreeing together and holding the unity of the Spirit that means that God is able to lavish his Spirit. And so for that reason, I want us to finish slightly differently. We normally go into a quiet time now of waiting on God and hear from deep. That's why I've done it slightly different, because we can't talk about worshipping and waiting on the Spirit without doing it. So if I can invite the band to come back, and we're going to sing one of those songs again, and we're going to worship God, and then we're going to wait on the Holy Spirit as the band continue playing. Um, and, and then after that, there'll be a time for people to receive prayer ministry uh, or to go if you need to go. So let's stand. And oh, this is going to take me a while to find. Just talk amongst yourselves <laughs> as we get back to the beginning. But think of Nehemiah and his community. Think of them gathering together. Think of them worshipping, hearing the word of God. Think about them, the singers who have been particularly chosen to praise God and to lead the worship of God, all worshipping and the Spirit coming upon the assembly, which has been happening all of this evening as we have praised God and as we have opened his word together. Let's stand and sing, When I Was Lost, You Came and Rescued Me.
So as we stand now in God's presence and under the anointing of his Holy Spirit, be ready to receive. Let's just wait on him as the band just envelop it all in worship quietly. Uh, You may find it helpful to have your arms or your hands out to receive because the Holy Spirit has been uh, coming upon us all evening in different ways. Um, I have seen that as I've been watching and and listening in my heart. And so now, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would come upon us again. We pray that you would fill us with your Spirit. Lord, there is somebody here for whom those words from deeper apply, maybe more than one person. So now add your Spirit to the stirrings in their heart and help them to respond to you. Come, Holy Spirit. There are some here who are perhaps challenged 
to take on a new role in the church. There may be others who are praying about laying a particular role down to move into a new chapter as gatekeepers and singers are appointed. So Holy Spirit, cement that in lives now. And if you're feeling the the stirring of the Spirit in a particular area there, then pray into that. And in a moment, as we give opportunity for prayer ministry, go and receive prayer for that. There may be an area of discipline in your life that God has challenged you over. Well, don't leave the place tonight without having sorted that out. Some area that isn't quite in step with God's will for your life, and you know it isn't. Well, do something about it. And there are people here who love you, who will pray in confidence with you about that. There are perhaps friendships that just need that little bit of extra cherishing. Somebody that you have been close to and perhaps have stepped back from, or just it's been so busy that you want to be able to say tonight how much you value and cherish that friendship. Pray into that now and pray for that opportunity and take the opportunity because it's the strength of friendships and the small groups, however they're expressed, that strengthen the church. And now come Holy Spirit and equip those who are willing just to take perhaps a toe or a couple of toes off of the bottom because they want to flow more in your spirit and are beginning to feel some sort of burden for a person or a work or a situation that needs the building of your kingdom. Perhaps a situation that only you can take God into. The word of God was incarnate in us and moved into the neighborhood. Are you being challenged to move into your particular network or neighborhood? Come Holy Spirit, because, oh, Heavenly Father, we need your help in that. We can't do it on our own. We need the equipping of your Holy Spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit. We need the ability to flow in your Holy Spirit. So please, Lord, we stand here asking for that. And if that's you, and if you are feeling the leap of the heart as I say those things, then pray into it, because I think that the Holy Spirit is leading you into that area to do something new. And remember, it's being faithful in the little things that matters. He who is faithful in a little is faithful also in much. Don't think it's got to be some grand design because God's got grand design. He just asks us to do our little bit within it. So if you're feeling that leap of the heart, go and receive prayer. So Holy Spirit, much that's going on now and as your faithful people who you love ponder these things, Lead each one as your spirit now falls. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fall upon your people. And please, prayer ministers, will you, uh, will you move out? Because 
people will be needing prayer now. And I'd encourage you to go down to the back of the church, either stand or just sit in one of the pews there and people will come to you, wherever you're most comfortable or find it easiest. And receive now what God has for you. And those of you who are going to give prayer now, I know that some of you need prayer, so make sure after you have served others in prayer that you receive in prayer. Use this time now. Uh, The official end of the service is, is over, but use this time either to go and receive prayer. People are waiting for you. Go. Don't waste time. Uh, uh, receive where you are standing or where you are sitting. If you need to go home, then, then do that. But let's make sure, as we have sung, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me now. And if this is the hour, this is the moment for you to receive from God, then don't waste the opportunity. Receive from God now.